KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. One of the big ripple effects of the pandemic is what it has done to the world of work. So many people now working from home is the main thing we think about. But a lot of what we've come to expect from a job at a place of work have really changed over the last couple of years. Is this a good thing? Will it last? What does it mean for how employers should approach things? We wanted to talk about all of this and what it could mean going forward. So we caught up with Ray Kiriazis, Global Vice President, Field Transformation and Readiness for the Global Software. Software company SAP. Give a listen. People looking for a difference in the workplace, whether it be more casual, work from home, or whatever, were those things that even if they weren't talked about by people like me that we were seeing in January of 2020, but it's just the last two years have just pushed it to a point where it has become a mainstream discussion? Definitely, Matt. As more and more Gen Z specifically enter the workforce, and certainly for those millennials, we we call those digital natives, they are looking for flexibility in their work and life balance. They want to be able to work from where they are. And what happened over the last two years just intensified their ability to navigate you know, a really kind of flexible work situation. And the employers that can offer that for their employees are definitely going to have a leg up as we go forward. It seems to me, and this is just anecdotally in talking to people and reading stuff, it seems like it's kind of a mixed bag when it comes to employers kind of getting it. You've got some that have obviously rolled with it and realized, hey, as long as the reports are on my desk Friday at five, how it gets there, I don't care. But there seems to be a not small group that really pushing to get people back into the office, even if there's really not a rationale behind why. How much is that going to hurt that second group that's kind of insistent on things being like they've always been when it comes to retaining or drawing in talent? You know, I think you're you're absolutely spot on. The employers are having to really look in the mirror and say, what's most important to us? Is it the outcome or is it the, you know, physicality of their workforce? And it's my feeling and the people that I work with all over the world through our program that, again, the more people have options Perhaps there's a one or two day. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are saying we're going to be in the office on, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then that community building, that organic type of um, collaboration that happens in the office, which is so difficult virtually, can still happen while people continue to have the flexibility. What I think will be a challenge as we go forward is really rigid you know, you must be in the office on this Monday when, you know, a lot of families have really adjusted their work and life balance with children and elderly parents and all of that to accommodate a lot of different variables. And I think rigid, rigid kinds of frameworks will definitely not be as favorable or attractive to the talent we're trying to attract. You talk about the hybrid and being there to get that kind of feel of teamwork. Is there a concern kind of looking at it from the other end 
the places that do allow you to go and do your work wherever, but that there's a disconnect as far as cohesion. And, and I say this as someone who has worked from home virtually the entire time since the pandemic, you know, how big would be the loss of that cohesion? If, even if you're getting your work done and it's done satisfactorily to even above that, but not having that feeling of a team and kind of feeling like you're on an island. What I've seen around the world is that especially younger people in their career, you know, you've been in your career for quite some time, I'm going to guess. Younger people in their career, they thrive on creativity. They thrive on, you know, that magic of collaboration. We call this the collective intelligence. And you can achieve the collective intelligence virtually. However, it needs to be more structured and more, you know, established versus when you're in an office, it can happen more naturally and organically. So as with every nuance here, Matt, there's no right or wrong, black or white answer. It's just a matter going back to the the employer. What's the outcome? If you're in a really creative segment of the business, you have a really creative deliverable that you're providing to your customers, there's probably a pretty big business case there to bring people in person to capture some of that collective intelligence that perhaps can be lost in in a virtual setting. I'm not saying we can't be creative. We've surely demonstrated we can be creative in a virtual work environment. It's just there's trade-offs and there's There's different nuances that every employer and employee, for that matter, needs to evaluate and look at. How can I get the best of myself in my job? If you and I talk 20 years from now and look back on this moment, will it be more watershed for employees or employers? Because I know people who have left careers to go do something else, you know, because they want more freedom or stuff like that. But I would think if you're a manager who can't, adjust, who can't adapt and go with it. And you talked about being rigid. You're probably maybe not right now, but eventually it's going to catch up with you and you're going to get washed out, right? Absolutely. And and to answer your question specifically, my view is this is a watershed moment for employers. You know, as the workforce demographics shift, as more and more baby boomers are like, yeah, I'm out, right? But baby boomers are waking up in record numbers now saying, I don't want to deal with this anymore. That retirement starts accelerating. That's going to bring more space for Gen Z and, of course, millennials, the largest generation ever. And they will be comprising 70 to 80% of the workforce. They will dictate how things are. And so employers will have to pay attention. And I, I predict in 20 years, The watershed moment is for how employers are adapting to all of the dynamics going on. What are some other things that you think we will see or are seeing besides just a strictly work from home, come to the office thing? I think that's kind of the headline that everybody talks about. You know, when we talk about office dress, you know, and I'm not talking showing up in a flip flops and a T-shirt with jean shorts or whatever, but much more casual. I feel like, and maybe this is because I do a lot of sports stuff, coaches that used to be suit and tie. Now it's maybe a polo and nice, you know, khakis and sneakers or whatever, but it is much more of a leisure feel to it. Do you think we 
are going to continue to see that in the workforce as an option, a door that'll be open that, yeah, wear what you want as long as it's appropriate, but we're not going to make you wear a suit and tie. What are some other things that maybe fall under that umbrella? Definitely the business casual attire is, is one element. What I think about, especially with all the work that I've done around the world with Gen Z and millennials, as I said, it's more in the area of development. I want an, I want to come to work for a company. So attire is one thing. I want to come and grow and learn. I'm happy to do my job and do the best that I can at my job description. And I want to see other parts of the business. I want to have a mentor. I want to develop my career and my skills that will keep me engaged, that will keep me motivated. So a lot of what I'm seeing is a big focus on what I'll call behaviors and mindsets become more and more important and companies getting clear about their values uh, as a business and how those align with the workforce. I I think we're going to see a big evolution and expansion of that over the coming years. And this kind of goes with the earlier question I asked about kind of the watershed moment employees, employers, how important is it to to have an actual stand and not just doing it reflexively because you you enjoy the power, you have the ability to tell somebody what to do? Such a great question. My experience is context is both king and queen in this topic. The more context that we can provide, the more understanding that we build with, whether it's prospective employees or existing employees, the, the more intentional we are on, ma- on making these decisions, the more impactful that we can be. And people need context, frankly, to be able to feel compelled or feel engaged. And as you're appropriately said, you know, because I said so, that does not work with the type of, you know, demographics that we're, that we're talking about here. So context is king and queen. How much did we lose, you think, quality of life-wise, society-wise for the last however many years just by doing things because that's always the way they've been done, not critically looking at how we approach work, how we approach the office. So many things were just reflexively, well, this is just how it's worked. I mean, me personally, I had a 45-minute to an hour commute every day coming in and out. But how much have we hurt ourselves keeping along how we've always done it because that's how we've always done it? Well, let's be clear. We get into these comfort zones because on some level, I mean, the comfort zones just didn't arrive out of nowhere. Those comfort zones, how we've always done it was based on, you know, driving efficiencies. I mean, there was some rationale. There's some reason. There's some logic for how we arrived at that. What I would consider or ask everybody to consider is our comfort zones have dramatically shifted in the last two years and will continue to do so. And so things that we never imagined would be possible have all of a sudden overnight become possible. And this is, you know, we refer to this as the interdependence and the complexity of of our work environments and what our customers demand from us and a whole myriad of, of issues. So from my experience, getting outside of our comfort zone invites that creativity. It invites us to look at what's possible 
linked to an outcome. And the more we focus on those outcomes, the more we leverage our collective intelligence, our creativity to get to that outcome, the more meaningful that work becomes versus doing it as a checkbox, because that's how we've always done it, which may or may not be working for us anymore in this new kind of context, in this new disrupted experience that we're in. How much pressure will be on employers for this? Because you talked about baby boomers. And once the baby boomers have moved out of the workforce, that is going to leave a huge human capital hole that is going to, I don't know if we'll, given the current demographics, I don't know if we will ever fill it back to the way it used to be. Does that put even more pressure on employers to get this right? Because it's probably going to be a battle to keep the best and brightest under your corporate umbrella going forward, period, like never before. Absolutely agree with you. And this is more a motivation. You know, we're going to see flatter organizations. The the hierarchies are not going to be as extensive as they've been. We're going to have bigger spans of control. We're going to get work done through you know, agile teams through networks, through, you know, there's so many possibilities for how work can get done, you know, versus the traditional hierarchical approach that we've lived under for so many decades. Again, it goes back to your point, you know, how is the hierarchy serving us? Well, now as we evolve and adapt, we become more agile, we become more resourceful, we infuse this mindset of empowerment and self-managed teams. Now, again, this is a journey. This isn't a light switch, Matt. It's not like we're going to all arrive at that overnight. And it goes back to your question about being intentional. As employers will need to become intentional about how to shape these facets of their workforce. What does empowerment mean to them? What is a networked organization? How can we measure progress and outcomes and results in a really productive way, given that we will have a, a much different composition of our, of our workforce demographics? I want to be cynical, and I know that's hard to believe for someone coming from broadcasting, but I want to be cynical for a moment. Once we kind of, I don't want to say settle down, but get into a place where this is more the new normal, could there be a concern that we could see some businesses and corporations try to depress wages a bit by offering the, well, you're not coming into the office, you don't have to pay for this, you don't have to pay for that. So a job that maybe got $75,000 a year, once that person is going, it's only going to we're only going to offer $60,000 a year. And I know a lot of people might take that, like might willingly and openly say, hey, if I don't have to drive into the city, could that have an adverse effect on wages because corporate leaders are going to try to play the, the leverage of we're giving you more flexibility, so more time for you. And that equals you don't need the extra money. Wow, there's a big question. From a compensation perspective, what we're seeing right now, and this is probably not sustainable, is the digital natives are commanding higher and higher wages in the workforce because that is the premium skill set that employers need. Do I see that leveling off? Probably. However, what I see happening more and more from a compensation is linking that compensation to the outcomes that you're delivering leadership skills, the mindsets and behaviors that are so critical to sustain what we're talking about are going to become more and more critical. So I think we'll see a shift of how compensation is 
you know, weighted and, and valued for sure. However, what we're seeing right now in terms of the workforce, the demand for employees, we've never seen this in the last two decades so or more. That's a really interesting question. It's going to be super interesting to see how that plays out over the coming years on compensation. Obviously, our discussion is focused on jobs that have the ability to be done for everywhere. And there's a lot of them, but there's also a lot that aren't. Do you have concerns? And once again, this is a long game that you could see kind of societal friction or jealousy or envy between people who can work at home and kind of set their hours and get get their work done, but they get it done on their terms and, you know, can enjoy the benefits of being home and the people that have no choice. Their job has to be on site, you know, and whether that is at a grocery store or certain jobs in a, in an office, do you have concerns that you could kind of see that pull at the, the fabric a little bit there and create tension? Absolutely. And there's actually a, a term for this, Matt, called the fairness chasm. And it's definitely something, you know, companies that have heavy manufacturing, distribution, where, I mean, robotics are going to be replacing a lot of work. We, we see that technology trend accelerating for sure. However, there will never those robotics will will never replace all the employees. So is that fairness chasm a, a reality? Absolutely. Do we need to find other ways to balance that out for those employees that are coming into a physical space every day? For sure. And this goes back to the creativity that we were talking about. We have to consider all these different dimensions of our employee composition and bring our best thinking to it and creating employee focus groups and asking questions. How might we, how might we make this work? What else might be possible? And bringing that, the employees to drive the engagement and the collaboration. We're facing challenges right now that many of us have never faced before. So the more we can listen deeply to what the employees are saying and to the creative ideas and approaches that are coming forth, I believe the more impactful employers will be at, you know, keeping, attracting and retaining, because that is the game now, attracting and retaining those critical segments of our workforce. And I want to ask kind of a big picture, broad brush question to round out our discussion. Once again, if you and I talk 20 years from now, and I don't want to say was the pandemic a good thing because there's been incredible death and, and loss and everything. But with regards to the narrow focus of the workforce and how the workforce has changed, will we look back and go, wow, that really was something that changed the American workforce for the better and what options they have? Yes, I'm going with yes, we'll look back. In 20 years, we'll look back and say it was a big pivot point. It uh, opened new possibilities. It created a new context for how work can get done. And it amplified and energized the, the creativity and resourcefulness that human beings innately have. And we just brought it to the front and center of, of our daily lives in, in the last two years. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.